Today, the Cyberry podcast welcomes back Chloe Mizdagi, the chief strategist for Point3 Security. Chloe joins us to discuss Point3 Security's new talent screening service that hopes to reduce the time and cost of onboarding new employees. All of this while removing some of the gatekeeping aspects of a technical hire. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Cyberry Podcast. Today, we are talking to the VP of Strategy for Point3 Security, Chloe Mezdagi. Hi, Chloe. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Um, you know, definitely uh, some strange times, especially since the last time I talked to you at RSA. Um, we can't be in person this time. Um, so <laughs> hopefully this turns out just as well. <laughs> All the good old days pre-COVID. I yep. miss those days. Me too. Um, but today you're here to kind of talk to us about Point3's new kind of talent screening service. Is that right? Yep, that is correct. We just launched it and it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So uh, can you kind of tell me a little bit about it? Like, how did you guys come up with the idea for it? You know, where did that start? Sure. So we have a platform over at Point3 Security. And for those that don't know what is Point3 Security, we basically we provide a gamified ecosystem for uh, basically for security teams to up their skills. Um, but also it engages them um, in so many different ways and their expertise is met as well. But the thing that I really love about it the most is that it measures performance on an equitable and unbiased basis, which coming from a person before joining Point3 was all about trying to bring equity uh, more to seeing for underrepresented folks in security. Uh, it's one of those things that basically Talent Screen, our service came about was because we knew that... Um, people were being basically promoted within the company by using our platform Escalate to see who's good at what skills. And that was something that was really empowering because usually how it goes is like, and I hate to be specific here, but mostly it's always the the white cis male who gets promoted and the person who isn't the cis white male, it's very hard for them to be promoted. So showing something in an unbiased way that they deserve to have that promotion is something that we were noticing at point three. The other thing was that number of certs or what kind of certs you have or years of experience. We also have seen that it didn't really matter. Um, it's whether or not you're able to do the job. And that has a lot to do with grit, your, your own, the way that you think you process information it has nothing really to do with your certs or your experience. Sure, it gets you in the door, but whether or not you can rock that role and go beyond that, that's all up to you. And so we started noticing that it's a good way to um, have a ha- ability to see what is going on on your team, where's your weaknesses, your strengths and areas, um, but also to know who to promote. But then we also noticed that Also, gatekeeping is something that's very much prevalent in InfoSec, especially for technical roles. And it went through our minds was, why don't we create something that reduces gatekeeping and tries to increase diversity and inclusion in a way that would help out all our our technical folks in security uh, get their foot in the door? And that's how Talent Screen was created. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you kind of noticed it's something that people who are already using Escalate were doing, you know, seeing who is qualified to promote. And then you're kind of understanding like, oh, this is something we could use elsewhere. And kind of goes into that that gatekeeping that you brought up that, I mean, it's been talked about in the InfoSec community forever. I mean, why does having 
XYZ or having this degree or having this cert make you qualified for this role where somebody could be just as qualified that doesn't have those things. And you know, if you go just based off a resume, if you you had you need this cert to qualify, and that just automatically unqualifies so many people that might be perfect for the role. And I, I mean, I came from a background of bug bounty. So in the bug bounty community, it's like constantly bug bounty hunters are proving that they have all the skills to be a pen tester. Um, but you know, getting your first job, it takes up to two years to be a pen tester. And it's one of those things that's really frustrating because these people are highly skilled, very skilled, but they don't have the resources to get a cert. Certs cost a lot of money, but yet they're able to be successful at bug bounty. So it makes us think about how we look at people and when their resumes and understanding that we cannot simplify based on who has what their background to know if they're willing or not to be able to rock that role. That's something that's very different than that. It's there's a human element that plays a role here and that's where they come from. And Mm -hmm. what's this passion that's behind them? Yeah. And I think it's a great way um, to kind of bring the skills to the forefront of like the actual conversation, because that's what you're testing for is like, do you have this skill? Yes or no? Because we've all, you know, maybe not everybody's lied on their resume, but you know, some people have. I myself don't know how to use Excel, um, but I'm sure some resume in the past said that I did. Um, And so it's good to kind of get past that point um, and just test people based on exactly what the role is looking for, not what you say that you can do. Yeah. And since we've launched the talent screen service, we have definitely seen an increase of those that are usually underrepresented getting roles. And that scares me. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that we are failing still to this day. Uh, you know, for women in general, it's uh, for every woman that applies and five men apply for that same role, she has a zero chance of getting an interview. And wow. that itself is already letting you know we have a problem here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really sad to see that we have to create something like this to fix a huge problem in our space. Um, but it's one of those things that it's really empowering is when you think that, you know, the, the companies that hire us, uh, for our services, they turn to us and are like, wow, I did not see that person performing the best. I thought this person was based on their resume and it happens all the time. Yeah. So, so how does it kind of work? How are you anonymizing, you know, who, you know, um, subject A, B or C is like, how does that kind of work in, in the, the platform? Right. So how it works is that uh, we work with the company and we reduce the time of finding a a candidate, but also we reduce the time and resources. So the first things first is that the company shares the job posting. Then our team basically comes up with different suggestions on what challenges and modules that we can use and the timing for those type of projects. practices rounds. And then what happens is that the company comes back to us saying, okay, well, yes, we agree on this one, this one, and this time. We're like, great. So then we do is we send out an email to their applicants um, and the applicants have that certain time window to complete those tasks um, and, and bypass those challenges. And then afterwards, we uh, basically, we review everything. We collect all the data from it. And then we share it with the company saying, here are the top performers in this area. Here were their strengths. Here were their weaknesses. And then from there, the company then goes forward with the interview process. So seeing who on that side 
uh, actually what they state on their resume is true, um, but also do they have the ability to do the role that they want them to fill? Because we have seen cases where companies will hire someone based on their resume and the person doesn't know what they're doing. Um, and then it requires a lot of mentoring, a lot of coaching. And sometimes we don't have as much time to do that. I mean, granted, every job you should mentor and coach, but if it's more than 80%, that's that's a problem. And yeah, so yeah. we wanted to fix that um, so people can go running, find someone, hire them immediately and be able to move forward with their entire uh, team. Yeah. I mean, being able to get a new hire up and running quickly is essential to a lot of businesses because, you know, mentoring, coaching, you know, new employees is great, but, you know, you can't spend all of your time. And unfortunately, you know, you see in a lot of cases sometimes that, you know, you'll get a couple months in and that person just isn't, hasn't caught up or isn't able to do it. And then, you, you know, that person's let go. And now you're starting the whole process over again. And you've put yourself or your team, you know, months behind schedule of maybe, you know, something that you're trying to hit. Um, so it's interesting, you know, kind of bringing that stuff as yeah. quickly as you can and getting people onboarded. Um, I think, yeah, it's so much more important is to get the right person because we always mm -hmm. complain that in security teams, we're always stretched thin, which is a true statement. We yes. always feel like we're stretched <laughs> too thin. But when you hire someone who doesn't know what they're doing, that puts so much more work on us. On top mm -hmm. of that, they may make mistakes that we have to cover up, we have to fix. And this yep. could also end up becoming a breach situation. So it's so important is to make sure you get the right people there. And it's not just based off of resumes. Yeah. And yeah. And bringing on the wrong person, you're putting extra stress on the team who's, you know, like you said, having to cover that person or something like that. And you're just wearing thin the people that you already have and the people that you like worrying about, you know, a new person. So yeah, um, that's interesting. Now you said when you kind of s send out those skills, are they given time frames on those, yes. um, on those like modules and stuff that people are allowed to do? Yeah. So those modules itself, uh, the recommendations are which challenges we think are most fitting to knowing whether or not this person can perform that role. Um, but also we put down time constraints. So we believe that if they do this challenge, they should do it at this time. And we give, we usually give various different options, but we're also working with the company to see what they're looking at too. Um, so, but the whole thing is that think about it, you can hire someone new on your team within a matter of one week. And that's the thing that's a game changer moment because usually what happens is when you get your resumes, you are flooded, hopefully. Yep. Um, and then from there, then you're like, okay, I'm flooded with all these resumes. HR is going to deal with it. HR use, usually uses some scanners to make sure that there are certain certs that are being met, certain years of experience being met, or they do it by hand. And then it gets to the security hiring manager. And then the security hiring manager goes through an interview and then a team interview and then another interview. So it's like three interviews at this point uh, per an applicant. It could take anywhere from two weeks to three months. So we want to cut that down so you can hire someone immediately so your team doesn't feel so stretched then. Also hire the right people for your team. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so important. Also help out your HR people. Yeah. HR has a hard time having to figure out who is technical enough for this role. Yeah. And yeah, it might be somebody, you know, your HR person could have a completely different background, might not have worked in security or, you know, security adjacent before. And is like, I have no idea what these certs mean. Like it's just <laughs> gobbledygook to me. So, you know, what, how am I supposed to whittle this down to, you know, the, the best candidates? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the the talent screening that happens that's like the very first thing pretty much like for the applicant process like they send in their applications and then that goes they go through the talent screening before 
it kind of goes to HR. So it kind of whittles down to the... Right. You know. So companies can decide which way they want to do it. They could do it at the very beginning or they can do it at when the HR receives the resumes and HR goes through it, then they send it everything out or it goes until the security hiring manager gets those resumes after HR went through them. So it could, it could, it just, whatever process works best for your company or organization, because every organization runs differently when it comes to hiring, we work with that, uh, whatever right. is best. Has, has anybody looked to try to just like use the, use Escalate as like, if you can get through the stuff, then you can apply kind of like you're kind of being tested first approach yeah. almost? So we, we have had clients do that already. Okay. Um, as well. And I always, I always suggest if you are all, if you're a company that you want to know for a fact that you're doing something that is practicing diversity and inclusion hiring practices, do it at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when you look at resumes, make sure you take the name off of the resume. I think that changes a lot of things because I did this practice a few years ago where I applied for the same roles, same resume, I kid you not. And all I did was change my name from Chloe to Cody. And I got callbacks on Cody, not as many for Chloe. And so that was always really fascinating to me. So I think if we remove the name from it, that's another yeah. way of good practice. But uh, test early. Don't go by the resume. If you can, try to remove the name and say applicant number one or applicant number two. Um, I think this is it's a much better way of knowing if you are practicing well or not. Yeah. And it kind of, it, you know, it broadens your, you know, who, who you're searching for too. Because if you're, you know, testing everyone that applies instead of just the people you think are qualified, um, you know, because then that brings, you know, personal biases and all of that, that stuff into it. But if you're just testing everybody and then the data you're getting is anonymized, you know, you're just, you're just making the absolute best informed decision that you can. Exactly. And that's, um, that's the whole thing. So talent screening, it, it, it doesn't just work with unconscious biases, um, but it also it reduces the time, the resources, the cost of hiring. But you also get someone that you know is able to do the job. And we really, as I think as an industry as a whole, we really need to start looking at how we do certs and also how many years of experience we put on on a job, like when you're doing a job description because certs are so expensive and that already closes the door to so many people out there that mm -hmm. could rock this industry. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, it's probably once a month at the very least that I see somebody on LinkedIn call out some over crazy job posts where it's like, why do you need 10 years experience? Like this is almost an entry level position. Um, I always, you know, the comments on those are always the best. Like this doesn't make any sense. Like this company's out of their mind. Um, so it's good, you know, that we're, it's something we've, you know, the industry's been talking about for a while, but kind of to make the shift to like, yeah, it doesn't really matter your history. It's can you do it or not? I think that's the one thing that I love about our industry is that we are different. We are different mm -hmm. when it comes to hiring. We are aware that a degree from Harvard does not mean like you're the best pen tester out there. That's not, <laughs> that's not how it goes in our industry. It's more like, uh, so what have you done? Experiences? Have you found any zero days? Like <laughs> that's, what, yeah. that's what we're more interested in. It's like, okay, if you do bug bounty, how many P1s did you get? Like, we want to know these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, yeah. It's different. I mean, I've talked to so many people who, you know, they'll tell me their college degree has, you know, I went for psychology or art 
And now they're an amazing cybersecurity professional. It's like, okay, like, you know, it's just everyone has their own path. And like our industry definitely kind of um, accepts those people with just the different, you know, route of how you got here. It, you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Starts a lot of weird and fun conversations too, which is nice. Yeah. You don't have a lot of people who all went to the same business school doing the same thing. Everybody's kind of a, just a random assortment of people. Yep. All different backgrounds. <laughs> we look so different from each other. We dress differently. It's oh, great. Yeah. I, I know. love I'm, that. Yeah. I mean, walking around like the conferences and stuff is like the most like I kind of catching of it. You know, you see the you know, the executive level people who are in their suits and they have their briefcases. And then you can see that, you know, usually the security teams or the people on the ground who like all of the hair colors as possible. Yeah. Everybody looks different. They're wearing whatever they want. Um, you know, you can't go to any conferences without seeing a couple kilts, you yeah. know, a couple crazy outfits. Um, so it's always, it's always good to see and just know that you're kind of in good company with yeah. a bunch of other people. <laughs> that, that was the, I think that was the first realization that uh, InfoSec is split between two parties. Like for example, I went to B-Size SF and I went to RSA conference in 2018. I go to RSA conference and there's like hardly any women. It's just all yeah. men and in suits and whatnot. And then I was at B-Size SF and it was way more diverse. Um, and like people just accepting each other for who they are mm -hmm. at the end of the day, which is so different. And I felt so much more comfortable at B-Sides SF at the end yeah. because I felt like there was other people that looked like me there. So I felt more comfortable mm -hmm. uh, versus RSA conference. So it's it's definitely one of those things. I think the other thing is uh, we're you always hear this in the industry, which is like, oh, we have a ginormous skills gap. And that thing irritates me the most because I'm like, you know, we could fix that, right? There, there are things out there. You can up your skills. Also, mm -hmm. like, how are you testing them? How do you know if they're not skilled at this or yep. not? How are you, how do you, how do you know about this stuff? And that's the other thing I'm always curious and very uh, on about. Yeah. I talked to somebody um, who said, he's like, I don't agree. He's like, there's not a skills gap. He's like, there's a hiring gap. He's like, we're just not, he's like, we're being too close-minded on who we're looking for and why, instead of just accepting people who could do the position and stuff. And, you know, I think that's one of the, the maybe good things that might come out of COVID is like now remote work is standard for like a lot of industries that it wasn't before. And so hopefully it just kind of opens the doorway for a lot of people that like, hey, I can't make it to this office that's 90 miles from my house, but I can work from home and get everything, you know, done just as well. Yeah. And it, it's really, and I agree with this person's comments. The reason is, is that I've definitely have noticed in the past few years is it's all about investing. Mm -hmm. If you're not investing in your security, uh, you're going to have an issue on your hands. And you can always tell when a security team is happy um, is that they feel invested, they feel appreciated, mm -hmm. you feel recognized. And that's something that you don't always see. And that's the sad part when you see companies where a CISO is still begging for money mm -hmm. every year because they can't get their CEO to understand if I don't get money here, yep. you don't have a product. Mm -hmm. at the yeah. End I mean, day. yeah, I, I worked at a, a previous place that, um, you know, the engineering team was, I mean, it was making the product that that's what the sales team is selling. And the entire company went on a hiring freeze, except the sales team. And it's like, well, we need X, we need 10 people to do these things that are critical to what you're going to sell. But I don't know why we're kind of being put on the back burner. You know, it's just one of those things that 
when you're on the security team, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't because people don't get it. And I think that this is the year that challenges it all. One, it mm-hmm. finally companies understand mental health is just as important as physical health. Yep. The second thing is knowing the fact that we've had an increase of over 400,000, not 400,000, 400% of breaches this year. Yeah. So that's already letting you know that suddenly, you know, that CEO who kept saying, no, no, we're going to put more in sales and marketing because I see the ROI on it. Yep, so yep. they're like, hey, remember those plans last year? Let's revisit that for next year. Because um, it is true. It's, we're seeing it all the time. I mean, we mm-hmm. see companies that are dealing with a breach every single day now because of apathy towards security and yeah, not yeah. investing in their people. Yeah, and kind of, looping back a little bit. So, I mean, not every company is huge. Not every company, you know, has the ability, you know, thousands and thousands of employees. I know for talent screening, you guys are kind of helping out some of those smaller companies with like percent off and then with nonprofits and stuff. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So right now uh, we have basically a program that basically companies, small businesses and nonprofits they can uh, put in an application for 80% off of our talent screen services because we know that a lot of them are trying to find security folks, but they're very short on staff on when it comes to trying to hire and mm-hmm. don't have the resources to do so. So basically, uh, we understand COVID has been really, really hard. This year has been challenging, but it shouldn't um, interfere with your hiring for security because we understand that you're more likely the target than anyone else when it comes to something happening most of the time. So nonprofits, we want them to complete their missions for the year and next year. That means helping them on hiring people. Great. We will help you. Uh, Small businesses, we know startups, you're constantly under attack when it comes to, uh, you know, people trying to get your IP information. And we understand that. That's why we're also here to help you out. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, a good way to, you know, not everybody has the ability to, you know, spend time to look for hiring and stuff like that, especially if you're a small startup, you know, you might have nine employees and, you know, you might need to hire a security engineer and nobody there is a security engineer. It's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to hire for. What should we be looking for? You know, so it's kind of nice that you guys are offering that kind of help out some of those people that it's like, yeah, we can we can explain what you need and what you should be looking for and help you look for those kind of people. Yeah, it's definitely it is a good way to try to get back, and especially it's the holiday season. So we yeah. we know there are people looking for work right now. Let's get them some jobs here. Yeah, definitely. And I think did you in in the past were did you work for nonprofits in the past? So did that kind I of did. Help? kind of bring yeah. up, you know, wanting to do this and kind of promote this kind of. Yeah. Um, so uh, before I started working in InfoSec, I was working for nonprofits as consultant. Um, but I think in the first few months of entering InfoSec, the one thing I realized was that nonprofits are are very weak when it comes to basically IT mm-hmm. um, and also when it comes to protecting them and, and security wise. And one of the things was that uh, when I was on boards of some of them, I would ask them then, I was like, okay, do we have a security person? Do you have a security team? Are you protecting information? And I would find out that, oh yeah, it's just this one person in IT that's doing yep. everything. And we know that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, I've seen nonprofits where they basically have to close down or shut down because that they had a breach and confidential information got released and then their donors don't want to give again. And so the mission's gone because they had to shut down. And that's that 
and the sad thing, this is like organizations that help kids, people that don't have food, shelter, mm-hmm. or health. Um, these are these are victims. Um, and so trying to come up with something that would help them out during this time was definitely um on the forefront over at point three. Yeah, that's yeah, it's great to hear that like you helping out, you know, especially like these these companies and businesses that need it and can use it, especially nonprofits and smaller startups and stuff that just don't know yet, you know, haven't gone through it. And yeah, I mean, a lot of times you see my fiance works at a nonprofit and I think they have one IT person. And I mean, I've, I've done IT before, but like, you don't know, I, you don't know everything. You know, you might know how to fix, you know, Zoom problems in your computer, but like, do you know how to secure everyone's storage and this and that? I mean, there's so many aspects of the job that it's hard for one person to do it. And especially at like a nonprofit that's, you know, not the most funded, you might not have the best equipment that, you know, they're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of most of what I had for the the talent screening. I mean, is there anything else you'd like people to know about the talent screening or, you know, where they can kind of contact um, Point3 about that or kind of get more information if they're looking yeah. into it? Um, so you can just go to our website at ittakesahuman.com. Yeah, that's right. We believe in human element as yeah. the forefront of security. Um <laughs> And uh, you do, there's a talent screening there so you can learn a little bit more. We have a case study as well uh, from Edward Solution about what we did at the very beginning of talent screening. Um, and if you are a small uh, business yourself or nonprofit, uh, feel free to DM me um, and I'll make sure to help you out on that application process. Um, but also you can find the application on our website. Very cool. Yeah, I really like that URL. That's awesome. Um, you said it's, it take it takes a human. Mm-hmm. It takes That's a human dot com. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's always good talking to you, Chloe. And um, do you have any social media accounts you'd like to shout out? I follow you on Twitter, but I'm going <laughs> to give other people the opportunity so they can follow your fun facts and other all the stories and stuff that you're in, which are always great. Excellent. Yeah, um, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at at Chloe Mistagi. Um, you can find me also. Um, on LinkedIn at Chloe Mistagi um, and YouTube, Chloe Mistagi. You just have to do the slash and uh, Chloe Mistagi. Um, <laughs> and you, you can, or I'll just make it easier. Just go to uh, my website, which is ChloeMistagi.com. And that has everything on there. Um, so if wow. anyone had any questions. Very cool. Well, um, again, it was great talking to you, Chloe. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Um, it's always good um, talking to you. So I look forward to uh, speaking to you again soon. Excellent. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Hey, this is Thor. Thanks for listening to the Cyberry podcast and make sure to check back next Wednesday for our newest episode.